Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for the journey that we are on, moving us towards the cross. As we move towards the cross, Father, we recognize it's in the shadow of the resurrection of Christ, where we can experience enormous new life in Christ. So, Father, may we each day seek to journey with you as we are changed and transformed by your son, Jesus, and we continue to be people of change. Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 9, would you? Got your Bibles closed. Go to John chapter 9. This is where I want to speak from this morning, referred to as John chapter 9, as we journey through the Gospel of John, this transforming journey, a Lenten journey, as we see people who have been transformed and changed as they encounter the living Christ. And so I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm going to read the first part and the latter part. And then I'm just going to make a couple comments about the middle part there. It's another very, very significant incident in Jesus' life, a fulfillment of the promise that was given back in Isaiah chapter 35, Isaiah chapter 61. When the Messiah comes, one of the indicators he's come is that the blind are going to see. And how many times did Jesus in his miracles heal people who were blind? As he went along, he saw a man that was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And if you understand the ancient world, particularly the Old Testament world, there's got to be a cause. If, if there's calamity happens, then there must have been some corresponding cause. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is his day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begged, asking, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. And then where your eyes, how then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man you called Jesus made some mud, put it in my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. As you go through the next section, you see that now the religious leaders get involved. And when they get involved, there's always issues. And the religious leaders should be celebrating this, what took place. But here they start interrogating him and wondering, why did this happen, of course, on the Sabbath? And of course, Sabbath observance is very important for the ancient people. I think they missed the purpose of the Sabbath. And so there's interrogation that goes on. And uh, then they ask their parents, and the parents don't want to really communicate much. They don't want to get involved because they're fearful of being thrown out of the synagogue and therefore lose their sense of community. But the man answered in verse 30, which is remarkable. Now this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, this Jesus, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly people who do his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could, not, he could do nothing. And of course they replied as they were threatened, 
You are steeped in sin in your birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Things didn't get better for this guy. They threw him out. It's very interesting to see that Jesus revisits. And many times in Jesus, he revisits because it's not just about the physical reality that he's concerned about. He's deeply concerned about the spiritual reality. And when Jesus heard, verse 35, they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? That significant messianic reality of the Old Testament, the Son of Man. Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. For the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgments I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who heard him said and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Another very significant encounter with Jesus. And it's very special when a person has this type of encounter. John Metzger has written a really wonderful, or Paul Metzger, a wonderful commentary on the book of John. It's very, very creatively done. Let me ask a question. How many of you, when you were younger, had a vacuum salesman come and try to sell you a vacuum in your home? Look at the hands go up. I'm old enough to remember that. A vacuum salesman comes into the home. Boy, they were slick, weren't they? He has these words. I'd hate to be a vacuum cleaner salesman who comes to someone's house, dumps coffee grinds, cooking oil and grease on a carpet for his demonstration, and then fails to clean up the mess. The ensuing scene would make for a great one-act play entitled The Death of a Vacuum Cleaner Salesman. (laughs) Isn't that good? Some of us have been playing the part of vacuum cleaner salesman with our before I met Jesus and after I met Jesus sales pitch. We promote Jesus like he is some new and improved vacuum who will suck out all the messiness dirt in our lives only to find out to our horror and dismay that sometimes he actually makes our life messier like this blind man in the story today. The good news is that the Bible does not read like a sales pitch. However, it is all about life, not an appliance. There are no guarantees in the Bible against a messy spill. In John 9, this blind man, again, becomes, his life becomes more difficult after he decided to follow Jesus. And my editorial comment to piggyback on that is, however, Jesus does some amazing transformations in our lives. He does work against the messes of our lives. So this is a very, very important story that I read for you of Jesus' encounter with this blind man. Can you only imagine a person who was blind their whole life, never had a chance to even experience what we can see with, I think, is one of the most important senses we have is our sight. And then all of a sudden to be able to see the things that he's heard about. What an amazing transformation physically because Jesus has a deep concern for him. Also, we see Jesus' deep concern for him spiritually. Not only did he change physically to see, but he saw, he could see spiritually because he had this wonderful encounter with Jesus and he realizes who he is. And when he realizes who he is, he bows his knee in worship of Jesus. The way I want to zero in on for just a few moments is the the words of verses 3 through 5, if you look at them. You see, we are transformed and changed for a purpose that the works of God might be displayed in this man and in us. The focus, you see, is not on retributions for some offense committed by him or his parents, 
but it's an opportunity to do the work of God. In this passage, we see Jesus at work, and he desires for us to join into his great kingdom work. Focus on the phrase, neither this man nor his parents, that this happened. But that phrase, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent us. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We've seen so many expressions that Jesus, in the book of John, of who he is. He identifies himself as the great I am, the bread of life, the Messiah, the chosen one, the son of God, the son of man. In the first nine chapters, we've seen that. And he describes himself as the light of the world and the gate and the good shepherd and the resurrection and life and the list goes on and on and on. But the important thing is that he invites us to be involved in this great change process in our lives and the great change process that occurs in the kingdom of God. He wants us to redirect our focus from, again, speculation to move us towards kingdom work. It's quite all right in the kingdom of God to ask questions, and and we ask a lot of questions. But as long as the questions are are rooted in keeping the central purpose of the kingdom of God in mind. And so what we have here is a change that occurs as we focus on kingdom purpose. Let me just identify a few areas what he talks about in this kingdom purpose. All of us are called. Jesus invites us in. Isn't that fantastic? The God of the universe embodied in his Son invites us in to be part of the the wonderful change process of his great kingdom. It's very clear, and this is not a cliche, but it's very clear that the focus is on Jesus. It's very clear that the focus here is on Jesus. He is the light of the world. He is the one that illuminated this man that gave him sight and also gave him spiritual sight and reality. Remember when I was growing up, we had to memorize verses. I had to memorize 10 verses a week when I was 14 years old and all the way until I graduated from high school. That was something that was part of the, the program for all eight of the kids. And I'm glad, not then, but I am glad now. And there was a great passage that I, I learned very early. It's Galatians 2.9. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. I did learn some things. Folks, that's a fantastic passage. It's a passage that reminds us of our purpose. It reminds us of who we are. We are crucified with a living Christ, but we still live. We still cooperate with him. But it's a life of Christ that is birthed in me. And it's birthed with a purpose. That the light and the glory and the works of God might be displayed in your life and mine. The central purpose of the kingdom of God is to exalt the name of Jesus. It's his kingdom. It's his church. It's his world. Jesus identifies himself again in many, many ways in the gospel. He changes and transforms life, and it happens as Jesus cooperates with the Spirit of God. I'm reading a book in our book club called When Being Jewish Was a Crime. It's an easy read, but it's a story of a man who it's remarkable that he survived the Nazi Holocaust in Poland. It's, it's miraculous. It's unbelievable that he did. But he's a Jewish man who eventually, through Christians and his involvement with them, came to believe that the Old Testament predictions and prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And through a series, of, over time, he came to realize that, and he became a Jewish believer in Christ. And one of the things that's remarkable is that he 
was a very contentious and somewhat of an arrogant sort of fellow. But as he came to Christ over time, the very people, even his family, and the people in his community all of a, saw, all of a sudden saw something different. He started treating people more compassionately. He started caring more about people, and he related them in a different way. And see, I think that's what happens over time in our lives when we have that encounter with Christ and as we change to be changed. We start seeing these evidences of change as we focus on our kingdom purpose and focusing on Christ. And so that's very, very clear. It's very clear. This God sense that God is in our life moving us with Christ. There's also a sense of urgency. Jesus had a sense of urgency, didn't he, for his life. He was on earth for a limited amount of time, and he was very conscious of that in everything he did. And I think it's important for us to focus also on the mutual task of maximizing our lives with those wonderful kingdom opportunities that are there. There's kingdom opportunities to serve Christ in our lives every day. If our spiritual radar is up, there's opportunities that he gives us with that sense of urgency that people need to encounter the living Christ. We need to maximize those opportunities. On Friday, Holly and I went and visited Rob Strandlin. Rob is not doing well. Rob is probably at the latter parts of his life. And we grieve over that because he is a wonderful person. He's ministered to so many of us and we care so deeply about him. But what I was amazed and what I saw in him was recognizing that his life was short and the things that he's doing to prepare. The things that he's doing for his family because he cares about his family. And he's making decisions with them about things that are important to them. But most importantly, he's very concerned that every one of his kids and his grandkids know and have an opportunity to hear the message of Christ. He's so concerned about their spiritual destiny because there's an urgency. He's not going to be able to influence them, but he wants to influence them now. Maybe we need to have a little bit of sense of that urgency, even though we're not facing death immediately in our lives, but Jesus senses it. He wants us to sense it. Again, that God-centered awareness in our lives that we're not just here to go through the motions of living, we're here to impact lives as long as we have on this earth. It's very clear also in this passage that if we're going to be kingdom people, it's centered in people. People is the only thing that's going to be eternal is people. The Pharisees were not even concerned about this man. They didn't even see him. But Jesus did. They should be rejoicing and celebrating with him. And they should have gathered everybody into the synagogue and had a wonderful celebration for this man who was, who was in the shackles of blindness and became, he could see. There should have been a celebration. But they missed something so important. They missed the purpose of the law. They missed the purposes of the Sabbath. You see, the law in the Old Testament, you can go to it today and you can receive enormous benefit. What you do is you not look at the law itself, but you look at what is the purpose of the law. What did God have in mind? Because every law that's there had a purpose. And it was directed towards the well-being of people. Dietary laws, certain kinds of things that were done. Always, always with people in mind. It's not just about law-keeping and rule-keeping with God. It's about understanding the importance of people and the purpose of the law. And the religious leaders of the day were focusing on keeping the law and neglecting the purpose of the law. People-centered. Correcting the misperceptions of the purpose of the Sabbath. They should have been so excited. 
Instead, they're interrogating him and tearing him down and dismissing him from the community and the synagogue. Folks, we got to realize people matters to God. People matters to God so much. And finally, we need to monitor our growth. It's great that Jesus followed up this man, isn't it? Just to heal him, and he could see now in the excitement of that. But you see, Jesus has a, a deeper person again, that purpose, that spiritual purpose, and he follows up with him. He looks for the man to go deeper than the miracle itself, for the, the other miracle, the spiritual miracle. And he was deeply concerned about that. This man became a believer in Jesus. Folks, I think in our discussions, in our time with each other, we ought to be monitoring and following each other up. Our relationships should be to the point where we know certain people that we, that we engage in relationships, that, that we're concerned to follow up how they're doing in their spiritual lives, like Jesus. When you see him, you wonder, how are you doing in that area of your life? How's God moving you? Are you struggling? Are you finding some victory in that area of your life? Wouldn't that be great if we as the people of faith, like Jesus, would look for each other again because we care about each other and follow up and follow up. Folks, we are being changed and transformed to make a kingdom difference in this world. We're changed for a purpose. We are called to do the work of Jesus with kingdom focus, with all of our strength that we can muster up that God gives us as long as we live. Amen.